0: What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 299, presented by Rageworks, broadcasting live Wednesday, June 17th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show that covers mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and and Entertainment. Our MMA and wrestling shows air every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, and our gaming and entertainment editions air every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. You can find archived versions of the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, on RageWorks.net. Video archives are available on our two YouTube channels, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks and youtube.com forward slash my Take Radio TV. Uh, lots of stuff we got on deck for today. Uh, we're going to talk about this week's MMA news, including this past weekend's UFC card. We are going to get into Money in the Bank. Of course, we're going to talk about this past week's Raw and the return of the Beast, Brock Lesnar. We are going to talk about the passing of Dusty Rhodes. And as always, we will take your calls 347 324 All right, so before we jump into this week's show, we're testing out a brand new um, video feed through StreamUp. If you guys are on mtrlive.com, you can pause the GFQ player and scroll down and see our secondary video feed that I am testing out. Um, I'm actually on the StreamUp website. It looks pretty good from what I'm seeing for those of you that are watching it on mtrlive.com, do me a favor. Let me know how the video looks. Uh, let me know if the audio is clear, only because I do have an AC on in the background, so I want to make sure everything is running smooth. On my end, even though I am monitoring, I'm you know I'm not noticing any issues, but of course, you guys definitely let me know. Also, uh, smooth and good. O- oh, yeah. Thank you for that, Slick. Slick just let me know that the audio is smooth. Um, but the picture is a little pixelated, uh, low res. Not sure why that is. Like I said, I'm testing out this Stream Up feed and I am streaming at, um, 720p. But you know what? I'd rather it be a little low res and you guys get the video without any hiccups than go the full high res route without having an extra PC to handle the weight. But, um, again, this is just a test to see how it works on Stream Up. Um, the main purpose of going with this alternative feed is for those days when uh, GFQ is having issues or unable to get a setup, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, as long as you guys can see the video, even if it's in low res, you guys at least can see what's going on. But uh, that's one of the things we are doing for this week. Some other housekeeping things I want to get out of the way. Um, first and foremost, our broadcast schedule. This will be the only show for this week. Uh, there will not be a gaming and entertainment edition tomorrow, which is Thursday, uh, June 18th, because we will be covering an event, and unfortunately, I will not be back in time to do a show in its entirety, which sucks, obviously, because it is E3 and there's a lot of stuff going on, but unfortunately, that's that's some of the sacrifices that have to be made. I am debating doing a recorded show just sharing my thoughts on E3 and some of the announcements. We'll see if that turns out to be the case. If not, like I said, um, this will be the only show for this week. As for next week, June 24th and 25th, there will not be any shows because we will be covering Consumer Electronics Week. So definitely keep it locked to all our social media accounts to see our coverage of that event. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Plus and um, Instagram. I know a lot of you guys like using the gram, uh, underscore rich. If you're into that, definitely put up as many pictures as possible showing our event coverage there. Um, MTR 300 is July 1st. Again, mark it down on your calendars. MTR 300 is July 1st. Trying to figure out what kind of a big, uh, production we're going to do. What kind of a big giveaway we're going to do. Um, Still weighing it out, testing out a couple of things. Um, I did want to try the alternative video source this week because maybe for MTR 300, we'll have an alternative video source and an alternative chat source as well. For those of you guys that want to use a different chat, we will be testing that out as well. I know that StreamUp does have a chat component, but I want to try and keep a chat that we can use on our own. Nothing, I mean, you know, we'll use the GFQ chat when we're running the GFQ feed, but we'll have an alternate chat for those other instances to match the alternate feed. Again, just something that I am testing out and um, I will keep you guys posted. For those of you that have been asking about the Rageworks group, which I've been beta testing, we got uh, almost 60 members in the group right now. A uh, lot of great conversation, a lot of great interactions. And my intention more than likely is to make that group open starting with MTR 300 just so more people can get in there and interact. And, you know, we'll start announcing the link on air, sharing it on air and giving you guys a place to interact using Facebook as the platform. Again, we opted to go this route because I know a lot of you guys wanted to see a forum, but unfortunately, you know, it's just too much of a pain in the ass To go that route. But again. If we are able to leverage Facebook. For the group component. And do stuff with that. um, We're definitely going to. Be on the lookout for that. Val says prepare for the trolls. Um, I think that with. The MTR staff. That are going to be promoted. When the group goes public. To mod status. I'm not too worried about trolls. And people. Carrying on in a capacity that will be disruptive. I know that myself and Slick are usually extremely vigilant with stuff like that, and we will continue to do so. I mean, look at our Facebook fan page. Our fan page is actually pretty good, and um, very little trolling. And I think in the in the entire um, lifespan of both My Take Radio and RageWorks fan pages, I've only had to probably ban maybe three or four people tops. Um, I, I, I've banned, I know, I know on the my take radio fan page, I've banned four people total, uh, two people for spamming sunglasses or some bullshit, uh, one guy for being a complete douchebag and another guy just for being an annoying asshole. So yeah, uh, four people got banned on the my take radio fan page. And I think on RageWorks I may have, I may have actually private messaged somebody and not ban them and essentially just, you know, said, cut the shit. And, um, that worked quite well, but alas, you know, it's just one of those things where I think opening it up to the public, allowing you guys to invite your friends that are into the same stuff that we cover is going to lead to a lot of conversation. I know that our staff has done a great job of bringing people in five at a time. Um, some of our, some of our listeners and readers have taken a little bit of umbrage bringing in their own people, but it's okay because they're not disruptive. And on the contrary, they add, to the conversation. So, no biggie. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Um, like I said, just to recap, there will only be one show this week this one, the MMA and Wrestling Show. Uh, there is a brand new episode of Black is the New Black. You can check it out with Ben and Taylor. That's already uploaded on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course on RageWorks.net. There will be no shows June 24th and 25th due to our coverage of Consumer Electronics Week. Plus, it's my birthday. So, um, uh, need a little bit of a break, but MTR 300 July 1st onward onto the next, uh, 300 episodes after that. I'm really excited. Um, the fact that we've made it this far, we've done so many great things. And plus celebrating so many milestones in August, Rageworks turns one, uh, my take radio will be celebrating an anniversary in July. So really a lot, a lot of awesome stuff on the horizon. And I'm grateful for, Uh, my team and definitely those of you that have continued to support the show and all its different incarnations, podcasts live and all of the above. Uh, We really, really appreciate it. Also last but not least to wrap things up, the MTR behind the mic with Brian from profit cast and arrow squad will be up this week. It was available first to MTR app owners and I've been meaning to make it public for everyone else, but due to all the issues going on with the site and e3 and all the you know all the craziness that has transpired over the last couple of days uh well last couple of weeks to be honest i figured you know we'll we'll give the guys that have the app a little bit more time obviously it's been a while since i've given them some exclusive content so i might as well let them enjoy it all right just a recap on deck for tonight we're going to talk about this past weekend's ufc event we're going to get into the week's mma news We are going to talk Money in the Bank, and of course, Monday Night Raw, we're going to talk about the passing of the late Dusty Rhodes, and of course, we are going to get into the wrestling news of the week. As always, we will take your calls, 347-324-3541. Again, 347-324-3541. All right, so let's get that ball rolling and jump into this week's MMA. As always, My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. Get all your favorite training gear, fighter gear, all of the above. Head over to MMAWarehouse.com, get your rash guards, uh, show your support for your favorite fighters, get training masks, uh, kick pads, and other training equipment, again, at MMAWarehouse.com. Look on our site, RageWorks.net, for coupons and promo codes that you can use, courtesy of, ourself and, of ourselves, and of course, MMA warehouse and and last but not least every banner that you click on the site does help us out so I know some of you guys got ad blocker on and a couple of advertisers have reached out and said hey you know we're getting a lot of traffic but nobody's clicking the ads do us a favor give the ad blocker a break when you visit us on rageworks click the banners make a purchase or two if you need the gear it does help us out all right so let's jump into the big one of course the heavyweight title, unification card, uh, UFC 188, the main event, Kane Velasquez, Fabricio Verdum. We are going to get into that. As always, there will not be a recap of every fight because, obviously, by this point, you guys know what happens. But I do want to pick and choose a couple of fights that I do want to talk about. Um, first fight I do want to talk about is on the lightweight side of things. Efrain Escudero, Drew Dober, um... Escudero, it's weird. He's had a very, very interesting MMA career, especially with the UFC. He came into the UFC red hot out of the Ultimate Fighter. Then he got cut. Then he came back. Then I believe he got cut again. Then he came back, of course, fighting in in Mexico. Um, Drew Dober, no slouch by any means. Efrain Escudero definitely trying to make a statement. He ended the fight in extremely quick fashion with a beautiful standing guillotine choke. Uh, Drew Dober, did, uh, give him much props because he did try to fight his way out. And it's it's funny because he started aggressively. You know, he was flashing the jab. He tried to uh, throw a kick, and when he threw the kick, he slipped, and Escudero locked in the standing guillotine choke. Um, again, victory, 54 seconds in the first round with a beautiful standing guillotine. Now, the other fight that everybody was really, really interested in was Chico Camus and Henry Cajudo. Of course, Henry Cajudo comes into the UFC with an incredible pedigree. And thus far, he's been been okay. Obviously, a lot of people are expecting big things from him. And while he did look pretty impressive in that fight, and he was really the aggressor from start to finish, I do say that I have to say that in the third round, he he did start to kind of slip a bit, but it was very, very close. Uh, Kajudo took the victory via unanimous decision. Um, the thing that gets me about this fight, like I said, is that he went into this fight with... Um, he was already sick. He had eaten a bad taco, he said, a fish taco. And he went into the fight ill and wanted to fight for the fans, definitely wanted to represent. And he went in there and he definitely did a great job of it. I'm curious to see how much, well, I'm curious to know, let me rephrase that, how much the illness affected him and um, how um, how much it took away from his total game plan because, again, he looked fairly crisp in all three rounds. I do feel that Chico Camus did start hitting, uh, hitting his stride in the third round, but at that stage of the game, he was definitely too late. Nonetheless, I'm curious to see who his next opponent is going to be and if he can continue to ride this wave of momentum considering how many people are, you know, extolling the virtues of this guy and what he will do for the organization. Again, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, the flyweight division is incredibly stacked. Henry Cajudo is a great addition. And hopefully, um, like I said, he rides this wave of momentum and he gets a uh, a solid opponent for his next bout. All right. So. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about the ladies in the strawweight side of things. Tissia Torres taking on Angela Hill. Of course, both ladies veterans of the ultimate fighter, but also veterans in the sport of mixed martial arts. Um, Even though their small records, uh, you know, definitely throw some people off. These ladies have been fighting for, for a little bit. Of course, um, in the UFC, things are a little different than fighting on the independent circuit or Invicta, but, both ladies came into this fight with um you know just a a lot of hype behind them trying to get people interested you know some some nice exchanges on social media and I'm a fan of both I'm actually I actually enjoy uh, watching both ladies fight I think Tessia Torres is an incredibly well-rounded fighter uh the tiny tornado definitely does not disappoint when she's in there with a good opponent let me rephrase that and when I when you, you know When I say good, no disrespect to Angela Hill, but I'm just talking about somebody who can really test and push the pace. Angela Hill coming in to this fight, it's the typical wrestler versus striker uh, fight, and that's a lot of what we had, you know, just uh, Tessia Torres trying to work the stand-up, trying to get into uh, some wrestling and really leverage that as best as she can. And the thing that got me is that the fight, while it was decent, It was not as great of an outing as we would have expected from both ladies considering how they fought in the Ultimate Fighter house. Again, Angela Hill, you can attribute her her performance possibly to lack of experience on the main stage, which a lot of people felt that was the case. I disagree. And Tessia Torres, of course, I I think she fights very conservatively. I think once she realized that she had a couple of really, really dominant moments in the first two rounds— she did kind of coast towards the end. Again, once you took that, take those two rounds, it's pretty academic at that point. But some people reached out and they were telling me that they didn't like the fight at all. They really didn't feel that the fight was exciting in any shape, way, or form. I, I'm not in that camp. I think that the fight was good for what it was. But I just feel that the contrast in styles and the lack of buildup took away from that fight. I mean, there was a little bit of buildup, but most of it was... You know, just some light jabs, some moderate trash talking. We're not talking Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate style build up. So again, not what, not the best fight on the card, but not as horrible as people made it out to be. The other fight I did want to talk about Kelvin Gastelum coming into 185, making a serious case for himself, took on the veteran Nate, the great Marquardt and took him out in the second round via TKO corner stoppage. Um, it was just a, a crazy, crazy fight. And, um, you know, the the fight was stopped between rounds two and three um, based on injury. And it's crazy just because we're talking about a guy, Kelvin Gastelum, who came into the UFC and he was trying to make a name for himself at 170, had issues making weight and took the fight at 185. And I have to admit, he, he looked really good out there. Obviously, Marquardt's corner stopping the fight abruptly. Uh, took away from it a little bit, but Gastelum did look good. He looked good in the first two rounds, Um, really impressed me. I think that at 185, he's a natural fit. I know he said in a couple of interviews that he would like to fight at 170, and Dana White is like, no, my brother, you got to stay at 185. And that's pretty much the name of the game when it comes to that. But I do have to say that if he's able to get his diet in in line and maybe you know working with uh Mike Dolce or just a good dietitian, who knows? Maybe he could make 170 on a consistent basis. But like Dana White said when he was asked about it, that Kelvin Gastelum he's had issues making weight, and it's one of the things that really affects cards on a, on a, in a major way when a guy is uh, a, a great prospect is put in a in a favorable position and doesn't make weight. So. We'll see what happens. We'll see if he's able to hold it down at 185 and he's and if he's able to leverage the momentum that he's had thus far and make a statement at 185. We'll see what happens when his next opponent is lined up. All right, so co-main event, Gilbert Melendez, Eddie Alvarez, a fight that many of us were looking forward to. Um, hardcore MMA fans who've been following Eddie Alvarez from Bellator are were really excited to see how he would hold it down against... Uh, You know, the UFC's elite. And while I did feel that this fight could have gone either way, I did feel that the third round was a bit of a toss-up. I definitely did see that Alvarez showed a couple of really, really solid, solid moments in all three rounds. But depending on who you ask, I know guys who watched that fight and felt that uh, Melendez got robbed. And others said that Alvarez fought a smart fight. Um, trying to go in there and fight with points. I think that it all boiled down to a matter of both guys respecting each other's abilities and trying to go and give us the most entertaining fight possible, but the, the high level that both fighters are at definitely canceled each other out in some exchanges. I will say this. I think Alvarez had really, really crisp striking. Uh, Melendez did as well. And depending on who you ask, some people say it was a robbery. Some people say that it was incredibly close and it could have gone to either guy. Me personally, I'm going to stay in the camp of it could have gone to either guy. Like I said, both guys had really impressive showings in the first and second round. Some people gave the third round to Alvarez, which again, I think that spinning elbow to close things out in the third round got people really hyped. But, I do think that Melendez had the more aggressive striking in the early goings. again, a fight that could have gone either way. This isn't going to impact Gilbert Melendez's future in the uFC. I think that he still has another one or two fights before people can start worrying about him getting cut, which I don't see happening. as for eddie alvarez he he definitely was tested in this fight, and I would try to give him another you know another guy in the top three at this point. You know, Melendez came in, ranked number four, and Alvarez was ranked number nine. I'd, I'd give him probably the number three guy at this point and see how he fares before we start talking about any sort of title shot or title opportunity. Again, we got to see how he fares. He came from Bellator, he has a he's had a slow start thus far, and um, I think this fight with Melendez kind of helped him turn the corner a bit, but I think it's the next fight that's going to really set the stage for where he fi- where he fits in in the lightweight division. All right. So <laughs> let's talk about this heavyweight fight because man, to, to many people that are hardcore Kane Velasquez fans, this fight was incredibly heartbreaking. I had the, uh, the pleasure of watching this fight at a, a restaurant out here called your mother's house with uh, a buddy of mine, Blackstone, who many of you have heard, from via communique when he sends me things and um we were originally slated to go see the fight at the UFC gym which actually gives the fights for free um you know every fight night you go you can watch if you're a member in the gym you go they have TVs all over the place and a really big screen and you can go and watch the fight maybe get a quick workout in it's always really cool but the last couple of times that we've gone to see fights either it's raining and the feed is shitty or the fight, they, they weren't able to get the fight up and running. Always some shit. Uh, this past weekend when we went, uh, they had no fight. Just something something you know fell by the wayside and they couldn't get the fight set up. So we went to this place called Your Mother's House to see it. Uh, they got a big 100-inch TV in the back. And we got to see, obviously, Melendez and Alvarez and, of course, Kane and Fabricio Verdum. And a couple of things I have to take away from this fight. Cain uh, Velasquez came into this fight with roughly a 600-day layoff. Let that sink in for a moment. 600 days, and even with that 600-day layoff, nursing injuries, we have to take into consideration that the guy was fighting in Mexico, had a lot of pressure, and I've, you know, we we both agreed, myself and and Blackstone, that um. Ver, you know, Velasquez may have come back a little a little too quick. And it definitely showed in this fight. Couple of things. Kane is tremendous. He has tremendous punching power. Tremendous wrestling. And when the bell sounded, he started just swinging just all kinds of ways. It just looked really weird. It looked like a Tank Abbott fight. And Fabricio Verdum just picked him apart. You know, round after round, he picked him apart. And it was unfortunate... Because at one stage of the fight, Velasquez actually started working his legs and he started delivering some really solid leg kicks to Fabricio Verdum that actually shocked him. He was like, "Oh shit!" You know, he was he was definitely doing damage with the leg kicks. It's almost like he woke up and said, "Oh shit! I have two other limbs that I can use in a fight." And um, at that point, though, it was too late, and he went to shoot in for a takedown. And at that point, Fabrizio Verdoom just—it was academic. He waited for him to shoot in, locked in a nasty guillotine, and that was the end of the fight. I mean, you know, Velasquez lasted three rounds, um, and you know, he just got taken out. And there was, like I said, a lot of things you got to consider—the long layoff, ring rust, maybe he came back too quick, the pressure of fighting in Mexico. So many, so many different factors. I'm not making excuses. For Kane Velasquez, because the guy's an incredible fighter. And he even said it himself, the better man won. But you could definitely see there were other elements at play in this fight. Um, congratulations to Fabricio Verdum for becoming the undisputed heavyweight champion. But I do have to say this. The heavyweight division is essentially JDS, Kane, and Verdum. You can pretty much interchange every other guy in that division. And originally, everybody thought that it was going to be JDS getting the nod to take on Fabricio Verdum. But I heard earlier today that JDS is not going to be able to do uh, fight Verdum, and that it will be Arlovsky taking on Fabricio Verdum, which I actually called a while back. And um, it's going to be an interesting fight. Of course, Verdum very gracious said he would give Kane Velasquez a, re- a rematch if need be. Um, it was it was an interesting fight. It was an impressive outing by Verdum. His striking definitely had improved substantially from his previous outings. He he utilized the jab effectively. A lot of really great striking on his part to keep Kane Velasquez at bay. But you can see Velasquez was winded. Uh, the adrenaline dump kicked in. He was really sluggish as the fight wore on. And this is a guy who whose conditioning is pretty rock solid. He's had some some amazing wars with some of these guys. And you can see that there was definitely something amiss in this fight. Again, I'm sure Kane will come back and whoever he fights next, he'll probably destroy and get himself right back into title contention. But I do feel that the 600 day layoff, um, the possible early return to do the card in Mexico were all factors in him losing this fight. Again, Uh, Cain Velasquez is a warrior. The guy went out on a shield, and he even said that you know Verdum was the better man in the in in this fight. And it is what it is. Which you know he didn't make any excuses. He didn't cite injuries or coming back early or any of that stuff. On the contrary, he came back and he did you know he did what he had to do and he tried to to go out there and, and and stand and bang with the guy. But Verdum showed. Uh, an improved striking game, which definitely was a factor in that fight going the way that it did. Val says Kane was winded like two and a half minutes into the first. Both of them were winded by the second. That was painful to watch. It was painful to watch, but you could see that Kane Velasquez definitely was not the Kane Velasquez that we've seen in other fights, even in fights where he's lost. You knew that something was amiss, but it was something that had to be done again. I'm not taking anything away from Fabricio Verdum. Um, Fabricio Verdum is a talented guy. You know, he's he's no slouch by any means. But you could see certain things. I mean, Val said uh, Verdum was going for the guillotine every time Kane went for the takedown. That's right, because myself and Blackstone thought that uh, Kane was going to lose via the standing guillotine, and he ended up losing via the guillotine on the ground. And again, a lot of people, there was actually some people who said that that Kane gave up and gave him the guillotine just because he he knew he had already lost that fight. I disagree. I think that Kane realized when as the fight went on, he's like, wow, this guy's striking is a lot better than I had thought. Because again, Kane is a is a is a KO specialist, a guy that knows how to embrace the ground and pound. And he knew that going to the ground was going to be a dangerous, dangerous gamble with a guy like Fabricio Verdum, who is a very, very well-established jujitsu jitsu practitioner. So trying to keep it on the feet was the safer bet. But the only problem was, like I said earlier, that Kane waited too long to realize, holy shit, I got fucking legs and I can use them. And this goes back to something that my, myself when and, and Blackstone were talking about post-fight. And I said to him, I'm like, listen... You know, Kane's performance, and I'm not again, I'm no I'm no coach, I'm no I'm not an established mixed martial artist, none of the above. But again, from from my perspective, when you're a guy like Kane Velasquez, who's whose base is wrestling and who they utilize his wrestling and his boxing, is there is there nobody there that has, you know, a Muay Thai striking coach? Is there not a guy that's there that's going to help him drill leg kicks and work on those and add that to his arsenal? Because I'm sorry. I noticed that Kane was barely using his legs aside from fucking moving around. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But there's definitely more that could have been done in that fight. But again, you know, Kane's conditioning and and the way that the fight progressed took, took some of that away, but... I do feel that there there, there could be more done in terms of just utilizing the leg kicks, working that, wearing down your opponent. Because like I said, when he started using them, Verdum was like, holy shit, what's going on? Like he wasn't expecting the leg kicks to be as, as, as painful as they were. And not only that, but be delivered in such a fashion that it was actually buckling his leg a little bit. I mean, like I said, Verdum worked the boxing. It wasn't like he went in there and he was boxing, you know, like like an established boxer. He was, you know, working the jab, working some of the angles, but it wasn't like super devastating stuff. It was just enough stuff that 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 drained the life out of Cain Velasquez as the fight went on. Again, the card itself was pretty solid. Was it a card I would have paid $60 for? Probably not because I only really cared about three fights on that card, which was Angela Hill, Tessia Torres, Alvarez and Melendez and Kane and Verdum, but nonetheless, for what I saw and for what I ended up seeing later with the other fights, it wasn't it wasn't the worst card I've seen. Now, of course, we got one card on UFC Fight Pass. We have a second card, which I believe is on Fox Sports One, and of course, the big one that they're starting to push, the fight between McGregor and Aldo, which is in July, which I know is going to be insane. Uh, the build up for that just keeps getting crazier and crazier. So so crazy, as a matter of fact, that um, Jose Aldo has said that he wouldn't mind getting into a brawl with um, Conor McGregor before they fight in July, which is insane. I'm sure that when Dana White heard that, he probably just had a, a mini heart attack because those guys legitimately fucking hate each other. Like that's not playing to the cameras. That's that's legit beef. Between the two of them, especially because Conor McGregor went out of his way to be a pain in in Jose Aldo's ass during that entire press run as they went from country to country. It was it was insanity from from bell to bell, courtesy of Conor McGregor. Again, I'm not going to I'm not going to write off Conor McGregor, because, again, he's a guy that can definitely, you know, he can definitely go out there and deliver the goods and we haven't seen enough of him to know if he can weather a true war with a guy like Jose Aldo. Like, when Uriah Faber went to war with Jose Aldo, we saw some really, really tough grit and a lot of heart from both guys in that fight. And you can see that Jose Aldo was was pushing the pace, but Uriah Faber was just not giving him an ounce to, to try and finish him off. It's going to be a little different with McGregor and Aldo. And the reason I say this is because there's there's personal interest, there's pride, there's genuine animosity. And sometimes coming into a fight with that sort of emotion is going to do more harm than good. Again, is is it enough to rattle Jose Aldo with what McGregor has done? It remains to be seen. But there's definitely a chance that, you know, McGregor McGregor may upset Aldo. I mean, Aldo's no slouch and he's you know he's been champion for a long fucking time for good reason but i do feel that we can't we can't call the fight as clear cut as many of us would like i think it's a toss up depending on who shows up and how cerebral the build up for this fight gets as we get closer to july val says connor's trying to take jose's food the belt is jose's life <laughs> Jose is going in for for the kill. I hope Connor understands that. It's true. I think I think Jose Aldo is going to go in there with an incredible chip on his shoulder, and it may it, it may bite him in the ass, or it may be just what he needs to go in there and really really unleash the killer. Again, everybody looks at at, at that fight a little differently. I'm personally gonna stay in my lane and say that it can go either way because because both guys got something to prove and in Aldo's case he wants to show why he's pound for pound the king in the UFC and of course Conor McGregor's trying to go in there and be you know the chill the the chale of of the division will will he live up to the hype I guess we'll find out in a few weeks All right, so let's switch gears. Let's jump into the other MMA news of the week. UFC 188 fight bonuses, of course, performance of the night. Uh, $50,000 went to Fabricio Verdum. Patrick Williams also got a performance bonus, and Charles Rosa and Yara Rodriguez got the fight of the night bonus. Of course, each fighter gets $50,000. In some fight, in some upcoming fight news, Jessica Aguilar will be facing Claudia Gadeja in her UFC debut um, at UFC 190. Of course, UFC 190 is the uh, heavily anticipated bout between Ronda Rousey and Beck Correa, which goes down August 1st in Rio de Janeiro. Of course, pay per view for the main fight. Prelims are on Fox Sports 1 and UFC Fight Pass. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing this fight. Jessica Aguilar, of course. Uh, a veteran mixed martial artist going in there against Claudia Gadeja, who is definitely no slouch. And of course, Rousey and Beck Correa, which also has a, a little bit of a of a personal grudge going into this fight. Uh, curious to see how both fights pan out. And we got to wait roughly a month, a month and a half for that, because, again, August 1st is when that goes down. While we're on the subject of women's mixed martial arts, of course, Invicta hasn't been in the news for quite some time, but they do have a card coming up, and Chris Cyborg is once again fighting on that card. She's taking on Faith Faith Van Duin for the Invicta featherweight title. Also on that card will be a bantamweight title fight between Irene Aldana and Tonya Evinger, plus the atomweight bout. Uh, the atomweight title will be defended with Harika Tiburico taking on Ayaka Hamasaki. Also on that card, uh, Marina Schaefer, of course, training partner of Ronda Rousey, will be fighting on that card as well. Invicta FC 13 goes down July 9th in Las Vegas. That's during International Fight Week. And um, if you want to watch that card, you can watch it on UFC Fight Pass. In some other card news, UFC Fight Night 72 has come together quite well. Uh, That goes down July 18th in Glasgow, Scotland, with the main card on Fox Sports 1 and the prelims on UFC Fight Pass. Of course, the main event, Michael Bisping taking on Tallis Latis. Also on that card, Evan Dunham facing off against Ross Pearson. Um, A couple of solid fights, Joanne Calderwood taking on Beck Rawlings. I'm actually looking forward to that fight. Of course, both women uh, contestants in the Strawweight ultimate fighter. Everybody thought that Joanne Calderwood was a shoe in to win just because she, she's such a well-versed and extremely underrated mixed martial artist. Uh, she's going in there against the very scrappy and very socially savvy Beck Rawlings. If if you want if you want to get an idea of of what I mean by socially savvy, you definitely should follow her on Twitter and Instagram to understand. But I think these women are going to go in there and deliver a war. Of Epic proportions. I mean, Beck Rawlings is a scrapper. Likes to go in there, get down and dirty and violent. Uh, Joanne Calderwood has a really, really tight striking background. I think that she's going to go in there and try to set the stage, uh, set the pace with her striking. But Beck Rawlings is going to definitely try to pull her into a couple of slugfests and try and really get the fight into her water, which is a bit more gritty a bit more of, you know, the the, the dirty boxing, the slugfests. We'll see how it goes down. But again, that card, UFC Fight Night 72, is July 18th. All right, so it's been a while. Things have been quiet, but we do have some CM Punk news this week. I know a couple of people have asked me if I've heard anything about CM Punk fighting in the near future. And before I get into the news story, I got to say that the UFC has been incredibly quiet with regards to CM Punk's octagon debut. Now don't misunderstand, Duke Rufus has gone out of his way to to share via social media and in interviews that CM Punk is a sponge and he continues to improve with every, you know, with every training session, with every um in-house brawl, you know, in-house uh, sparring session, he continues to improve, but he is still, in by his standards, ha, ha, by his standards, has a long way to go. Val says that CM Punk is never going to fight ever. Uh, <laughs> you know what, you know what it is, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and some people may agree, some people may not. For those of you that are wrestling fans that maybe did not like the way CM Punk left professional wrestling. I, I've 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 spoken to you, I've heard your gripes, and I understand where you're coming from, but um CM Punk is he closed the chapter on the pro wrestling career and is is testing the waters of mixed martial arts and considering that he is no slouch um in the in the training department, he may fare well, he may not, but he's never going to know unless he tries. And of course, People ask themselves, "Yeah, but you know it's almost like like he went from one payday to another, and all I gotta say to those people is this: James Tony for those of you that don't know, James Tony is a well regarded boxer who said that he could make it in the UFC and was willing to put in the work to show that boxers can do what they can do what what MMA fighters can do and in some cases even do it better. We all know how that went with James Tony squaring off against UFC legend Randy the natural couture. Randy Couture pretty much dismantled James Tony in that fight and established that just because you can box doesn't necessarily mean you can fight. In mixed martial arts, there is more to it. Now, of course, Lucha Lee says uh, James Tony should have never stepped foot in a cage. Yes, I agree. But here's here's the thing. I am uh, a pundit, I guess, an opinionated uh, commentator, whatever you want to call yourself. I am not an MMA coach. And I am not a mixed martial artist by trade. Yes, I have a martial arts background. Yes, I've trained here and there. I know a little thing, I know a couple of things here and there, but I am by no stretch an expert. But I do have to say this. CM Punk is taking is taking the bull by the horns and is trying to prove that he can transition from wrestling to mixed martial arts and make a living doing it. Will he be successful? Too early to tell. You could watch a dozen training clips on YouTube and Instagram and Vine or whatever, and you could say, yeah, he looks pretty good in there, but it is a completely different ballgame when that cage door closes and across the cage is a killer, a guy who you may be fighting because he's fighting to put food on his, on his family's table or a guy that is using mixed martial arts to get out of the ghetto, or a guy who's trying to use mixed martial arts to get out of a cesspool of a country that he lives in. These are real things. And at that point, it becomes a question of who has the bigger heart and who has the biggest set of balls in that cage. That's it. Who's got the heart, who's got the skill, and that's it. I, You know, all you need is two fists and a heartbeat. He could go in there and he can he can get his ass kicked. He can go in there and he can impress everybody. We don't know. And before anybody thinks that they can write CM Punk off with one fight, all I got to say is Brock Lesnar lost to Frank Mir the first time in there. And then, of course, he went back and dismantled Frank Mir because Brock Lesnar is just a freak of nature. CM Punk may be putting in all the work, but he is not a freak of nature. He is a normal guy that is going in there to fight at 185 pounds. That's not to take away anything from him being an elite athlete or have great conditioning because he has those tools. He does. But it's different when, when you're a, a Cro-Magnon de-evolved humanoid like Brock Lesnar that just decides to go in there and try his hand at that. He tried it. This is the, again, Brock Lesnar is a different animal. This is a guy that said, yo, I want to try out for the NFL and walked on the field. Don't get me wrong. He didn't start, you know, he didn't play a pro game, but he did. He did say, yo, I want to try out for the NFL. And the motherfucker got on. He got on the, uh, on the, uh, you know, on the, on the practice squad for the Vikings. Again, that's not to say that he shouldn't or shouldn't have been an NFL football player. But the guy set his mind to it and did it. Simple as that. He did. He did the deed. You know. And and the same thing applies. Brock Lesnar. He he. Some people were impressed by his UFC performance. Others were not. By let me rephrase that. By his UFC tenure, others were not. But at the end of the day, Brock Lesnar did what a lot of people dream of doing and don't execute. Again, nobody wants to hear your dreams and your aspirations. You got to go out there and you want to execute, period. Brock Lesnar, whether you love the guy or hate the guy, was a UFC champion. Was a WWE champion on numerous occasions. You know, not too many people can fucking say that. Again, you know, love him, hate him, question his his athletic pedigree, question his, his willingness to fight. At the end of the day, he did something that very few people can dream of doing, period, period. The guy writes his own ticket. Hey, I want to work, you know, all 300 days a year. I'm going to work 25 and make the same amount of money. No problem, Brock. You got it because he is a rare breed. He is a very, very rare, rare, rare individual. Guys like that don't come along all the time. And again, if the guy would have dedicated himself, gotten got had a good training camp, been willing to let himself get punched in the face, who knows? He's he he may still he may still be a UFC fighter if if diverticulitis and the willingness to get punched in the face did not stop his career, who knows what the future would have would would hold for him. But at the end of the day, there is very very few people out there that can you know, it, it's like let, let me use a, a great example. Without your suit of armor, what are you? Billionaire, philanthropist, playboy. Brock Lesnar, you know. Without 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 wrestling, what are you? National champion, former UFC champion, former WWE champion, former NFL player. <laughs> you can't you can't you can't shit on the guy. And that's why, like, a lot of people that, that want to come out of the woodwork and shit on CM Punk, I, I can't do that. Even if as a wrestling fan, you know, there's certain things that, that bothered me about his departure. And not even that he left, but just the way it was handled by the organization. At the end of the day, we, we don't know. We don't know. He could go in there in his first fight and put a dude to sleep in the first round. Or he may tap out a guy in the first round but I can't, I can't write the guy off. can't. It's just, it, it, it would just be in poor form for me as a, you know, as a person who speaks on, on, on these industries to, to let personal, personal issues cloud some genuine opinions. I mean, it happens sometimes. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'm like, yo, I fucking hate the guy. Don't get me wrong. I met Brock Lesnar. He was a dickhead, but that doesn't take away what he is as an athlete it's totally different. So, with that said, and um I kind of I kind of went off the rails a little bit. CM Punk actually appeared on John Annick and Kenny Florian's podcast, and he was asked about potentially not fighting until 2016. Now, of course, when Brock, Le- uh, when Brock Lesnar when CM Punk signed with the UFC, we said we'd probably see him fight in late 2015. We are pretty much halfway through the year. The odds of him fighting shrink with every day that falls off the calendar. Him fighting in 2016 is, is not a shocker. For those of you that have listened to the show for quite some time, you know that we've, we've said, hey, you never know, he may fight in 2016. There's three things you got to take into consideration. Do his coaches feel that he's ready? Number one. Does he feel he's ready? Number two. What card will benefit the most from him fighting on it? That, ladies and gentlemen, is number three. You got to make sure that CM Punk fights on a card where there is an awesome stacked card from start to finish that will make you want to part with $60. I'm serious. The last time that that I was pumped for a card to the point where I wanted to give away my money was UFC 100. UFC 100. Let that sink in. UFC 100 was amazing. A stacked card from top to bottom. The undercard was great, the main card was great. It was bananas. That's where you got to stick a guy like CM Punk. It's like, "Oh, Cain Velasquez, uh Fabricio Verdejo, Andre Orlovsky, a um Daniel Cormier, a returning John Jones, Ronda Rousey defending her belt, and CM Punk. Like, that's how you got to do it. Because that way, he could be maybe the opening fight, the opening, the opening fight on the pay-per-view, and then it's just awesome fights. And then if he loses, eh, you know, no biggie. It was an opener on the pay-per-view. If he wins, it's like, holy shit, the guy fought on an amazing card. And, you know, it'll be Bananas. Lucha Lee says they'll put Punk on UFC 200 next year. You know what's crazy? Dude, I would not even be shocked. I would not even be shocked that CM Punk fights at UFC 200. Man, we're joking about it, but stranger fucking things have happened. He said um, about him not fighting in 2016, he said, I'm super okay with it if my accountant is. I know Duke Rufus has told me, and I think he's been public with it, that he would like a full 12 months before he signed off on me fighting. We, we, we talked about that. I've had zero talks with Dana or Lorenzo or Joe Silva, anybody, about an opponent, about a date. I'm actually thankful for that because there's zero pressure. I think a lot of people are antsy. They're saying on Twitter, ah, you're never going to fight. This was just announced in what? November? December? I've been training full time for like six months. As bad as I have the itch to get in there, like I said, I want to be as prepared as I possibly can be. I wouldn't be upset if it got pushed into 2016. When asked about his training environment, he said it's just a grind. I wrestled for stupid lengths of time in front of almost 100,000 people. You deal with the adrenaline dump and all that stuff. When you're sparring and doing those rounds, and everyone in the gym is, to be honest, light years better than you, I really think it is sink or swim. I'm just getting through the round. Physically, I'm always there. My legs are always under me, and I'm never out of breath. I think to go forward in any aspect of MMA, it's all mental. Luckily, I'm pretty strong there. When asked about setting up his first fight, he said, and I quote, I'm also looking at the big picture. This isn't a one-and-done thing for me. I'm not looking to fight just once, win, lose, or draw. This is something I'm training for, and I feel like it would be a super waste of time if I was just training for one fight or anything like that. If I, was, if I wasn't just making a career out of it, getting beat up in the gym every day wouldn't be worth it in the big picture. I'm not saying I'm going to make a title run or anything like that, but I'm also I'm looking to maximize my time here. If I wind up fighting in twenty sixteen, I'm not going to be upset about it. There you have it, folks. So for those of you that have that have asked via social media or publicly that know I do the show, if I know when CM Punk is fighting, I don't have a fucking clue. All I know is most likely twenty sixteen unless they shock the shit out of us and do it like New Year's Eve or or you know the first card of twenty sixteen no clue none zero donut the man himself said no fucking idea seriously <laughs> i'm serious val says man <laughs> damn there's no there's no there's no convincing you guys to show CM punk some love huh <laughs> it's like it's not like anyone is really checking for that at this point well you know what's crazy and and, and val you'd be shocked what you see on reddit or on Twitter once in a while, and people are like, "Yo, what's up with CM Punk fighting?" And it comes up, you know what I mean? Like, like when he was shit talking Hulk Hogan about the Chicago Blackhawks on social media, everybody's like, "Oh shit, he's gonna come back and fight Hulk Hogan in the WWE," you know, or some craziness because you know that's what happens. And then uh, while while that while that started being tossed around, everybody's like, "Yo, wasn't he supposed to be fighting soon?" And it's like, "No, who said that?" Yeah, well, they said he was fighting in 2015. Okay, 2015 isn't over. (laughs) Like, you know, for for me, I want to see him fight. I really do. I want to see him fight, and I genuinely would like to see him succeed. And the reason I say this isn't because of my, my, you know, me being a wrestling fan and, and trying to support pro wrestlers in MMA, but I just think that it takes a ballsy guy, a ballsy dude, That had the entire company by the balls to turn around and say, yo, I'm out. Like, just, I'm out. Like, I can't do this shit. I lost my passion for it, and I'm done. Not everybody can just do that, especially when you're a guy that's at the top of the fucking food chain. Even when the guy wasn't feuding in the main event, he was still the guy. Val says, I hope he's been training for like a year or two before hopping in the octagon. Lucha Lee adds, people were spreading rumors that he is returning to the WWE again because the WWE posted two videos of CM Punk this past week on Facebook. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Val adds, I think it's kind of insulting to other MMA fighters to be like, I'll train for six months and let's go. This is true, too. Lucha Lee adds, but they always post videos of their wrestlers past and present. You know what the thing is? Like I said, you, I want to see him fight. I want to see him succeed because, like I said, it takes a ballsy fucking guy to turn around and say, yo, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm taking my ball, and I'm going home. Not everybody can say that with, with such reckless abandon, especially when he went out on his own terms, which is the crazy part. Like It was like, yo, I'm out. And he probably was trying to work it out with the company. And then they fired him on his wedding day. And the crazy thing was, I actually heard his interview on, on Opie and Jimmy. And he was saying, he's like, yo, you know, it wasn't like I just, like I said, yo, fire me. It was, you know, I, I needed a break and they fired me. That was it. He's like, yo, they fired me on my wedding day. And again, you know, he did the art of wrestling podcast. I'm not going to beat it up, but I got to say even if even if the company fired him he still was like yo i can't do this shit and it you know for some for some people that's that's you know it it, it when you lose your passion for something and you're still kind of doing it to 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 punch the clock and do what you got to do you become really really bitter about it and he even said in the interview he was like yo i don't want to be the guy that goes on every interview and shits on the WWE and, uh, and, and is a bitter guy. He's like, I said my piece. You can listen to it on The Art of Wrestling. And that's it. And he was like, I don't mind talking about it because it's a part of my past. But he said, he's like, you know, I'm looking towards the future. I'm looking towards other projects and other things. And that's and that's the craziness. You know, I know a lot of guys are very bitter. A lot of fans are very, very angry with the, you know, they feel that he, that he was petulant about how he handled things. But... Let's let's be realistic. And I, and I want to be honest. And those of you that are in the chat, feel free to chime in. If you are working a job for 15 years, 20 years, and all of a sudden they just they, they change your duties or they made you do shit you didn't want to do or you felt that you weren't getting the respect you deserve for being in the position you're in for the time you've been in. Would would you quit if you could? If you were pushed into that same predicament, would you quit? And if so, what would you do? Because I'll be honest, you know, we've all we've all woken up and gone to work and punched the clock. And we do what we got to do, either because we have family to support or, you know, we got to do what we got to do. Because you know we have children or whatever the case may be, and we make that sacrifice for the greater good and at that point you you know what you want kind of takes a back seat unless you're able to maneuver yourself into a position where obviously you can do what you want and enjoy it you know and the and the thing that gets me with that is that when you when you're in that position you you either embrace the grind. And you do what you got to do, and that's it. Like Slick says, I'm in that predicament. If I had a viable source of income outside of the job, I would be like a handball and bounce. And that's what I'm saying. You know, if you if you had an out, use it. That's what I'm saying. Like everybody that, and I'm not talking about my my the listeners in the chat or whatever, but I'm talking about the the, the armchair complainers, the guys who who still feel that it's real to them. You got to understand any job, any job that you may think is great and you grow to hate, you're never going to you're never going to have that passion because it's gone. And CM Punk said it himself in, in the interview on, on Opie and Jimmy. He was like, yo, I just I just didn't have it anymore. The injuries, all the shit, it all caught up. It all came to a head and I was I was done. And again, think about it. The guy leaves WWE. He's got gigs with Marvel. He's training to fight in the UFC. It's not like the guy is not recognizable. And who knows? Maybe five or ten years from now, they may, they may bury the hatchet and he may come back and do something. But it's too raw and it's too, it's too, there's too much of a pissing contest going on. And for those of you that say, yeah, you know, he's never coming back, right. Bret Hart was never coming back either. Hulk Hogan was never coming back either. You know what I mean? Like, eventually, it. you know, they'll they'll hash it out. It'll happen. But right now, you got to respect what the guy's doing. And I'm saying this not because of the people that are listening, but because of those guys that are still on social media. Yo, man, CM Punk let the fans down. It's like, yo, I hate to tell you, the 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 pro wrestlers that you're in love with that you that you cheer for don't give a shit about you. It's the same thing with the guys that are on social media talking about LeBron James or 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 the basketball playoffs. It's like yo, those guys give two shits what you gotta say. Dudes are paid win, lose or draw. Yes, don't get me wrong. The Cleveland Cavaliers are probably upset that they lost, but those motherfuckers are gonna go play golf and you know. Fuck groupies and do whatever whatever pro basketball players do after the season's over. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like you see these guys on social media living and dying by these basketball players. You know? Hell, Blackstone just says half of these wrestlers are glorified drug addicts. You know what I'm saying? Like these guys are out there doing all kinds of shit. Oh yeah, you know, this guy's my favorite wrestler and blah 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 and, he never answers me on social media. The guy gives zero fucks about you, zero. It, it's like the people that complain about like the Kardashians. Do you think that while they're swimming in money like Scrooge McDuck, they give two fucks what you think? Hell no. Simple as that. Val says, "Let him live." Shit. If I was, if it wasn't for him leaving, Brian wouldn't have eaten. Seth wouldn't have eaten. It's true. Slick adds money changes things. Even if they do give a shit about you, they got to take care of themselves first. Got to agree with that. Uh, He adds uh, slick adds, CM Punk has a hot wife. He wants to pump babies into. He wants to see them kids grow up. (laughs) It's true that I mean, you you can't you can't. and And again, this isn't for for our listeners. But again, this is for the guys that are going on Twitter or going in the forums or going on Reddit. And complaining about the, the, the guy leaving. Who gives a shit? Seriously. The guy. The, he doesn't give a shit. So why should you? Straight up. Anyway. Let's uh wrap up the rest of the MMA news. Because we got a lot of wrestling to cover too. Um MMA fighting reported during UFC 190's media day. That Ronaldo Jacare Souza said that he is open to a fight with Vitor Belfort and doesn't plan on waiting for a middleweight title shot against Chris Chris Weidman. Of course, Weidman is going to be fighting Luke Rockhold next. So Jacare, of course, feeling um, that he should be next in line, has opted to not wait. And I think a fight between Vitor and Jacare would be pretty fucking awesome. I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, On the contrary, I mean, you know, you're going to give it to Rockhold. Who knows if, if MMA gets sanctioned in New York and they make that fight happen but I do, I do have to say this. Jacare definitely is next. Jacare definitely is next, unless of course he fights Vitor and loses. But Jacare definitely should be next in line because you know statistically and 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 because of his record, he should be next. But don't don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind a fight between him and Vitor. That's for shit sure. For those of you that were looking forward to seeing Bobby Green square off against Al Iaquinta, I am afraid I've got some bad news. Unfortunately, Bobby Green is injured and has had to withdraw from his fight against Al Iaquinta. Now Al has no opponent. Obviously, he is facing TBA right now. But the main event for that card is Todd Duffy and Frank Meir. Also on that card, Tony Ferguson and Josh Thompson, which is going to be an awesome fight. And Manny Gamburian and Scott Jorgensen, also a, an awesome fight. Plus, um, I want to see Holly Holm and Marion Renault, which I'm sure will probably be on the prelims. In any case, UFC Fight Night 71 is July 15th from the Valley View Casino Center in San Diego. Again, mark that down on your calendar if you are looking forward to that fight. Just to close things out, Slick says, armchair wrestling experts are bitching at Punk, and he's like, hey, this is AJ. She fucks, me every- she fucks me every day. This is true. This is definitely true. Um, I wanted to go to the question of the week for the MMA side of things before we wrap things up. I posed a question in our Facebook group asking, who was your favorite MMA fighter? I also asked, what was your favorite wrestling finisher, which I will... Read those responses during our wrestling segment. But on the MMA side of things, um, favorite fighters, I'll, I'll share mine. Uh, my favorite fighters, definitely Vanderlei and Rampage, obviously going back to the, to the Pride Fighting days. Those guys really, I mean, don't get me wrong, in the old UFC days, Ken Shamrock, those guys, of course. But I didn't really start getting into MMA like hardcore until the Pride Fighting days when I would get the tapes and I'd see fucking Rampage dump Ricardo Arona on his fucking head, or Vanderlei Silva just come in there and violently dismantle somebody. Two of my favorite fighters, even now, even though they got all the craziness going on, still follow those guys. Hell, I got their action figures in the background. So um, definitely got to throw that out there. Uh, Keith says that for MMA, it's Anthony Showtime Pettis. Val says that it's Ronda. Uh, Lucha Lee says MMA fighters... Uriah Faber and Matt Serra. For Uriah Faber, because of the he was unique and innovative in the WEC, and for Matt Serra, uh, because he always seemed to be the underdog, especially when he moved up to welterweight. Nobody gave him a chance to beat GSP after winning Tough Three, but he did it. He was usually the smaller guy in the fight too. Nice. Of course, Ben throws in there that John Jones is his favorite fighter, even though he is aware that he's a fuck up. Uh, Christian throws in there. Chuck Liddell. Blackstone throws in there. Mark Kerr, of course, the Smashing Machine. So there you have it. Those are the answers for the question of the week. All right, time to switch gears and jump into some wrestling. Booker T, you know what time it is. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. As always, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by wweshop.com. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. Again, that promo code WWE Save 10 You can also find promo codes and banners on RageWorks.net. As always, make sure to click those. Helps us out and plus allows you to save a couple of dollars on any of your favorite WWE merchandise. All right. So, let's jump into Money in the Bank, which, of course, had a lot of solid matches, but when you look at placeholder pay-per-views, especially during the summer season, you're hoping to be wowed by at least two of them. And I say this because, obviously, all signs point to Survivor Series being the event that you want to focus on, but throwing in Money in the Bank right between, um, you know, the last big pay-per-view between WrestleMania and, and SummerSlam opens up a wealth of opportunities, plus a lot of angles as well. But the only thing that I feel is kind of is kind of hurting things is the fact that these pay-per-views aren't even happening um, within 30 days. Sometimes you're getting them within three three weeks. That I mean, between the Elimination Chamber and Money in the Bank, it almost feels like it was a week, and we went from one special event to the other. Now, of course. We got WWE Battleground on the horizon, but at least that's five weeks away. Anyway, I'm not going to recap every match because, again, not something you guys give a shit about because you guys know the results at this point. But I do want to sound off on a couple of matches. Uh, The Money in the Bank ladder match itself, for those of you that don't know, the participants in that match were Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, Dolph Ziggler, Neville, Kofi Kingston, Sheamus, and Kane. Before I talk about who won the match, I got to say that you knew for a fucking fact that it sure as hell was not Kane. (laughs) You also knew that it sure as hell wasn't Kofi Kingston. (laughs) It was neither of those guys. I I said that creative wanted it to be Roman Reigns, and I was, I'll admit, I was wrong. I was 110% wrong as the winner of the match turned out to be fucking Sheamus. Now, a couple of things. Sheamus winning was... It was unexpected. That's for shit sure. But I do have to say this. With Sheamus currently riding the wave of being a heel, on top of that being in the upcoming Ninja Turtles sequel, and kind of being aligned with the authority unofficially it was it's you know i should not be shocked with the outcome on the contrary it's it's something that at this point i wouldn't even be shocked if Sheamus joins the authority just so that they can kind of stick it to seth rollins and let him know that they can take the belt off of him anytime they choose now the thing that bothered me is i don't i don't hate Sheamus. I don't. I feel that Sheamus is a is a is a solid solid wrestler. Solid, but his 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 look like you know looking like an extra from from Mad Max, and really just having no clear direction has has done nothing for his character. Like he is a terrible face. As a face, he sucks. As a heel, definitely you get more. You definitely get more. But I feel that at this point. Does it? Did he really need to win the case? But then, when you look at it, you gotta you gotta say to yourself, putting the case on Roman Reigns might piss people off and derail all the buildup they've done to make him likable again. So it's it's a gift and a curse either way. Plus, there's always that possibility that Sheamus may cash in and lose. But I highly, highly doubt that. And the reason that is is because, like I said, if they align Sheamus with the authority, which I do see happening, it may, it may prove useful down the road in a program with Seth Rollins. Unless, like Val said, Sheamus is going to cash in and lose around the time Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 comes out. There is always that possibility. I just felt that the match for the participants that were involved could have been a lot better. It was enjoyable, but it felt like it was missing something. There were, there were like I said, a couple of high spots from everybody. I mean, the RKO that Orton delivered on Adrian Neville was insane and, a, and an awesome spot. In addition to that, I do feel that Bray Wyatt becoming involved to, to start a feud with Roman Reigns was good, but you could have done that at any time. And at this point, I really feel that, Bray Wyatt gains nothing from feuding with Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns can't even hold the microphone to Bray Wyatt's promo work. He can't. He can't even carry the guy's jock when it comes to that. Bray Wyatt is going to eat him alive via promos. We saw that on Monday, and I'll get into that. Val says, Seth is holding the belt one pay-per-view longer than CM Punk so WWE can overshadow that streak. Uh, Possible, definitely possible. The Divas Championship match is probably one of the low points, and um, you know it's it's uh, here's here's why this match was a low point. It's not because of 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 the participants. It was because the match was just shit. Aside from the fact that it had that stupid ass ending, where you know Brie Bella got in and she took the tissues out of her out of her shirt, and um, it sucked. It really, really sucked. But um, Slick wants to chime in and he wants to share his thoughts on it. So let me bring him in real quick. Slick, what's up, dude? What's up, man? What's going on? What do you got for me? I got to disagree with you on that Divas match, in part at least. I mean, the
1: match, yes, the match was shit, which is it's, it's always sad. I mean, because yep. I never expect anything from either of the Bellas, but you know, like Cage and Naomi, they basically carry in the division, and it's like they have to wrestle with basically with with trash. I'm sorry to say it. I mean, okay. I mean, no, I really don't mean any disrespect to the Bellas as people, right? But as far as wrestlers, they fucking suck. So it's it's terrible that two of the best wrestlers in the division can't put on a good match because. They basically got to roll around the ring with wrestling play doh.
0: Yeah, but there's but here's, the here's ending a ending
1: itself. The ending, the, the reason why I liked the match was because of the ending. Right. Everybody disagrees with me, but I found the ending to be highly entertaining. It actually took things back to old, you know, like old WWE style endings, where like. Just the most random bullshit happened. Yeah. And it's not really that random because they've been doing twin magic forever. But when Bree started pulling the tissues out of her bra, I was on the floor. Okay. That shit
0: was hysterical to me. No, and, and I understand where you're coming from, but there's there's a couple of things. Listen, it's wrestling. The shit's fake. We got to suspend some disbelief. But the bitch's <laughs> hair looks different. Let's not. Oh, fuck. absolutely! And, and that that part is stupid. I that's, mean, that's number one. Yes, she she's hiding. She's hiding
1: her face, but her hair is a different shade and it had a different style. I'm like, really, ref? You can't notice any of that shit. First, first of all,
0: she, let's, she wasn't even wearing the same ring attire. First of all, first of all, where's she hiding that donkey? That's number one. Number two. Where's she hiding Telly Savalas in a headlock? Where's she hiding that? That's number one and number two. Number three, the fucking hair was different. Number four, she was involved in the match. Last time I checked, that's a fucking DQ. I don't care if you flash I don't care if you flash the ref your box to show him the tattoos that you got there. I'm serious.
1: I mean, they didn't even, but honestly, they, they didn't really have to say anything other than what they said, because even though it's a DQ, the the original outcome of the match was that page one. The only difference is that she didn't win the belt.
0: Right. Either way, she still won the match. Yeah, but again, like I said, she she got involved and she showed the ref her box. Like, yo. I got these tattoos here. Hey, 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 I did that. I did that stuff. Hey, you guys, I did that. And the ref was like, okay, cool. No. 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 Fuck out of here. I love that you're channeling Tracy Morgan right now. Well, here's... First of all, I had, to, I had to actually move my attention away because the fucking video feed crashed. But um, hopefully I get that fixed. But again, straight up, different hair, big ass, tele savalis in a headlock, box tattoo, DQ. I'm sorry, but you're fucking wrong. I I can't. I can't. There's there's no way there's no way that you could sell me on that match being again, it was comedic because it was a throwback to the attitude era. But it was an insult to everyone's fucking intelligence.
1: Oh I'm not I'm not questioning anything you're saying. I was just saying it was entertaining. And honestly when it comes down to it,
0: that's what wrestling's supposed to be. Right. But straight up, dude, she man, listen. I'm like I'm like, yo, is the is the ref simple? Is he is he is he that much of a boob <laughs> that he can't tell that that, that fucking human brats doll is totally different from human stick figure? Like what kind of a boob are you? Well, I
1: guess he's sick is it's like she showed me a box. It's not the first time a Bella's freaking been exposed in the ring.
0: And it usually happens on Raw. Yeah, but come on, dude. The ref was, she's like, no, no, it's me. And the ref is like, duh, okay. Like, yo, it is a DQ because you, you just outed yourself. And the announce team trying to cover that up, that JBL going, that was the funniest thing I've ever fucking seen. You are an idiot. <laughs> Again, I understand I gotta suspend disbelief. But go go fuck yourself. That's it. Lies and deceit. Lies and deceit. I think the biggest problem
1: with that storytelling is how inconsistent it is. Because anybody in the in the chat that that watches WWE, don't you recall it was like maybe three weeks ago, didn't Stephanie tell Brie that you know she's got mental problems due to due to um, Daniel Bryan going out again, and that she has to be evaluated, and she she's not supposed to come to ringside with with um
0: her sister. Dude, creative doesn't even remember what the fuck they had for lunch an hour ago. I think they remember that she True. needed counseling, that she has a uh, you know. Post-traumatic Daniel Bryan disorder? the fuck out of (laughs) here. Straight up. But again, here's the thing that bothers me. Paige, and, and, and for those of you that follow baseball, there's an old joke that I have about baseball here in New York that if you're an amazing baseball player, the minute you come to the Yankees, you automatically play like shit. Automatically. It's like they drink the water and turn to shit. It's like Paige comes up from NXT. Everybody talks about yo, this English chick, she's a bruiser. She's been wrestling since she was fucking five. She was tag team champions with her mom. Yo, she's a problem. And she starts off great. And then all of a sudden, it's like, we're gonna just do hair pulling for 20 minutes. Twenty minutes of hair pulling. This is my house. No Wednesday Adams, no the fuck it ain't. It ain't your house. It's not. If it what if it was, we'd actually see wrestling moves. But again, let's not kid ourselves either. Titillation is the name of the game. And there was titillation, even if it was padded titillation, it was titillation. Plain plain <laughs> as day. Also, Let's not kid ourselves that Wrestling Wednesday Adams be is 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 putting is putting pentagrams on all her ring gear, and she thinks motherfuckers don't notice. Hey, if she worships Satan? I don't know. Whatever. Well, well, listen, Blackstone says, but that's her being told what direction to work in, and I agree. As soon as they come up from NXT, it's like, hey, listen, all that awesome shit you did down there, yeah, you're not doing that. Not doing that. Sorry, but no. You got five minutes. You're going to pull her by the hair. You're going to kick her in the butt, possibly a slap or two, and then a pinfall. It's true. I'm not, I, you know, what Blackstone said, I agree with him. It's true. I, She's being told what to do, but the shit that gets me is, that that's where you see the huge disparity between NXT and Raw. And, you know, the Divas are talking about give Divas a chance, give Divas a chance. I'm not giving you a chance if you can't fucking wrestle. Brie Bella. <laughs> These are the Breast facts. Bella. Huh? Breast Bella. Well, yeah, but she... Nikki Nikki's improved. I again not not to the point where she's out there working matches like 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 fucking Ric Flair and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, but she's serviceable out there. She's better than but to. But that's
1: mi- what's fucked up. It's it's like you take the match that Nikki has um, that Nikki's having with Paige and with Naomi, and when she goes up against them. She's the only one doing any anything that can be even remotely considered a move. Freaking Paige and Naomi are like, like you said, hair pulling, slapping, and, and
0: doing shoddy kicks. Right. Not but, even drop kicks, just little shitty kicks. But again, Naomi, another one, came up with incredible promise. I, again, I don't know what happened. It's like yo main roster just turns them to fucking jello. Just turns them to shit. Like everybody's like, yeah, well, you know, maybe maybe Charlotte will come up, or Bailey will come up, or Sasha Banks will come up. Fuck it, don't even bring them up. If they're gonna if they're gonna have what's what's essentially you know Barbie tea parties for five minutes every Monday. For for what? I agree. Leave them down there. Fuck it. Anyway, I, I could, I could, I could extol the virtues and the shittiness of that match for for another hour. Um, I did want to talk about Ryback in the Big Show only because the the Ryback shell shock on the Big Show lost any any impact whatsoever since he did it to Big Show on Monday. That's number one. The involvement of the Miz obviously allows the Big Show to quote unquote stay strong. But the match itself was fucking abysmal. The only high point was Ryback vertically suplexing the fucking Big Show, which was a pretty big deal. I was like, "Wow, that's that's pretty badass." Even though, I mean, like you said, I mean,
1: it, it is fake, but they they didn't sell it very well because you could tell that freaking Big Show freaking flipped for that spot.
0: Yeah, dude. But even still, even for even to get him up for the bulk of that spot, take some fucking juice too, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from Ryback, but it's just like, they could have worked on it. They could have practiced it to make it look a little bit better. That's all I was saying.
0: Yeah. But here's, here's the thing. And, and and this is what the real problem is in order for Ryback to grow as a superstar, he needs to work with fucking guys that are going to help him become a better wrestler. The big show's not that guy. The big show's the guy that you use nope. when you want to gorilla press a giant over the top rope or you want to do some really cool show of strength shit. But in terms of growing as a performer, you gain nothing from working with the big show. You know who you know who needs to work with established guys to become better? The big show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know who who Ryback should be feuding with, but unfortunately they used him they're using him to make somebody "quote unquote" look strong, and that's Bray Wyatt.
0: Nah, dude. And here's here's another problem. The only problem I don't I, with with a, with the Ryback Bray Wyatt feud is the same problem that's happening with him feuding with Roman Reigns, which is Bray Wyatt's gonna cut a promo, and Roman Reigns is gonna go, "I'm gonna punch you in the mouth." Believe that. Believe that. That's it. Like Ryback is gonna be like, you know, feed me more. I'm gonna kill you. And that's it, and that's great if you're watching Ryback feuding with Vader, you know, but you you can't have that again. the only way that guys like Roman reigns or Ryback are going to get better is feuding with guys that are all that are not only good talkers but good wrestlers. Bray Wyatt is a good talker and a good wrestler, but he can't carry somebody in the match by himself. He's not there. Everybody loves Bray Wyatt but that's the elephant in the fucking room. An amazing competitor that is not at the stage yet where he can carry a guy by himself.
1: Yeah, but this is going to blow your mind. Ryback might suck on the mic, and I'm sorry, that sounded horrible. Well, no, he's not. Again,
0: let me me rephrase (laughs) that. He is not shitty on the mic when they allow Ryback to be himself and allow him to speak naturally and not like just a fucking jerk off meathead it works better it is a it is a better it is a better presentation than him coming out there being a complete fucking boob and a, and a, and a giant ogre that's what I was going to say he's still light years better than freaking roman reigns absolutely but dude my fucking cats have better matches than roman reigns <laughs> i can go downstairs right now and throw it. Open up a can of tuna fish, and my cat will swanton bomb off the fucking kitchen counter onto the other cat to get the food. I just been on the mic, it's fucking psycho. And th- shit, that too. I think my cats can cut a better promo. <laughs> Believe that. That's all I gotta say. Believe that. And then, of course, everybody's all upset. With Cena and Owens. Oh, Kevin Owens should have won. But I mean, like, I know people that have reached out and they're like, yo, Kevin Owens should have won because of X, Y, and Z. And they have valid points. Then you look on Twitter and it's like, "C man, fucking Cena, gotta bury Kevin Owens. And I'm like, yo, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How did he bury him? He didn't bury him in the least. Fucking John Cena got his ass whooped. Yo, he got his ass whooped. I said to myself, yo, can these guys ta- top their last match? Yes. It's like, Owens
1: Owens put a hurting on Cena. Cena put a hurting on Owens. He fucking gets the pin. Then he tries to acknowledge him and gets a, a second ass
0: whooping for his troubles. First and of Owens all, goes back to NXT talking about, the campus here. First of all, John Cena did John Cena doing a hurricane rana, Kevin Owens doing an angle slam, John Cena doing a flipping powerbomb code red, his big ass doing that. It was it was insanity. That match was ridiculous. Yes, it F- was. First of all, it was extremely enjoyable. First of all, I'm going to say this. John Cena's five moves of doom stereotype has been broken with his last couple of matches against a lot of these guys. When he had that match with Adrian Neville, we saw some really good wrestling. When he had the match with Sami Zayn, we saw really good wrestling. Let's not even talk about the matches he's had with Kevin Owens. It's like, yo, I can't. I, I, I am the first one to, I can't even shit on the guy. I can't even shit on the guy with the five moves of doom. First of all, Kevin Owens did the five-knuckle shuffle, and he hit it. I said, up Cena's going to pop up and not let him do it. Nope, he let him do it.
1: And that's the thing. Cena's been letting Kevin Owens do, like, the – basically take it back to the days of WCW versus NWO Revenge on the freaking
0: N64 and steal his moves. Yep, And it's just been fantastic. I, I felt that we, we were treated to some great matches from two great competitors. And not only that, but both guys came away better for it. Cena came away better because he worked with guys who, who, are, bring, who are allowing him to become a better wrestler than he already is. And guys like Kevin Owens are working with a champion. You know, a guy who's a 15-time champion, a guy who's been in the business, and a guy who's still the face of the company. Because I'm sorry, love him or hate him, the guy is the face of the company. That is the cereal box. That is the Captain America. That is the Superman of your organization. That is the Spider-Man to Marvel. Absolutely. And and as much as people hate to it, he continues to make other wrestlers shine. He puts guys over, and on top of that, which people people I I gotta tell them all the time, yo, the guy is established. He could just as easily be like, yo, I don't want to, you know, I don't want him to to get to beat me clean. No, yo, we um, we're gonna go clean on this one, and he does his job. And the thing that irks me the most is the fact that, listen, nobody, nobody, and and and. Anybody's welcome to debate me on this. Nobody is going to be able to carry that company the same way he has. Not yet. There's not one guy Nobody there. Nobody on the current roster can nope. right now, no. Nobody on that current roster can be, you know, the Make-A-Wish guy, the guy that speaks at all these public events, the guy that you send on Regis and – Regis and Kathy Lee. Um, you know, Michael Strahan and Kelly Ripa show – the guy that goes on Good Morning America, the the guy that does all the radio promos, there's nobody there yet. Nobody. Everybody could say, "Oh, but what about Seth Rollins? What about Seth Rollins? What about him?" Current, current, currently heel douchebag. Where's he going?
1: Seth Rollins ain't coming out on Memorial Day, and freaking cutting a promo. Making everybody fucking stand on their feet and screaming "USA."
0: Well, they can, but again, nobody's gonna. As, nobody's gonna get the crowd the way that he gets the crowd. Like he is the first guy in a long time that acknowledges the booze. Like yo, I'm being booed, and I'm being cheered. Says it every week. Yo, some of you hate me, some of you love me, but at the end of the day, they're not. They, you can't erase the fact that the guy is exactly what he's supposed to be. And nobody's ever going to say, yeah, well, you know, Roman Reigns is going to be that. Sorry, Roman Reigns will never be that. Hate to say it, never going to happen. You could look like Kyle Drogo, Aquaman, fucking The Rock, The Rock's dad, The Rock's cousin. Not going to happen. It's not. I hate to say it, not happening. This is a new era of professional wrestling. And there's got and you gotta be an entertainer, a talker, and a wrestler. And if you're missing one of those, you're not gonna succeed. And sure, The Rock wasn't the greatest wrestler, but that was overshadowed by the fact that he could cut a promo like a motherfucker.
1: These are the facts. And the fact that he could he could he could cut a promo verbally
0: and physically. Yep. Like, he put on a show when he was doing his five moves of doom. That's it. The It, it was five flashy moves of doom. It's like I was watching a couple of days ago. Uh, I grew up, I, and, you know, I, I, was, I always liked watching Bret Hart wrestle when I was a kid for whatever reason. I think it was just because he gave away the glasses, and I always said, damn, it'd be cool if I could get the glasses, you know, being a kid. But now that I'm a grown-up and I watch his matches, I'm like, "Fuck, five moves of Doom out the ass in this match." Fuck. Yeah, because he was he was just pure technical,
1: like yeah, dude. He, but he he was a great wrestler, but he was so damn technical that it was it was really really formulaic. Like you could
0: even as a kid, I could call his matches. I'm like, "This is coming next." Yep. Now. I do, I do gotta say that without even going into the match because I, I felt the match was lacking a bit. I was happy to see the primetime players get tag team gold. Um, I think the New Day has a, have established themselves where even without the belts, they're still hateable as fuck, which is good because that they're they're succeeding at Absolutely. what they're doing. You know, the belts are a prop at this point, so it's good to see O'Neill and, um, you know, O'Neill and Chaco Cena get the belts. Well-deserved. I also got to say that... The
1: belts belts took the the, the New Day literally to new heights, no pun intended, as far as being heels. But now that they they got there, they don't need it anymore because, I mean, they have the chance, which...
0: Oh, my (laughs) God.
1: Even to this day, it's hysterical that the crowd will never say it correctly on
0: purpose. Nope.
1: And... I mean, the primetime players, it was, it was great to see them get back together, and they, they kind of needed it yep. just to cement their them getting back together. Absolutely. And the fact that they sort of kind of
0: copied the New Age Outlaws is just even more hysterical. This is true. I mean, overall, it was, again, not the best match on the card, but it served its purpose. And I got to say, the latter match between Rollins and Ambrose, it was good. But I just felt it was it was missing something. I mean, there were a lot of great spots, and the ending was well executed, and, and you know, Rollins, it validated Rollins as champion. But I, I, I felt something was amiss, you know?
1: Well, I think I can answer that. Shoot. The problem with that match is the fact that it came, not, not that it wouldn't, because it's the main event, but the problem with that match is the fact
0: that it came after Cena Owens that is true too. Well, no, no, no. The New Day, the New Day was the match before that.
1: No, no, no. I just mean the fact that it happened after ah, okay. Cena
0: versus Owens. I see what you mean. Yeah, in there other was, words, they were topping that match. Yeah. <laughs> the crowd if, was
1: If Cena Owens didn't happen, then then Ambrose Rollins would have been like the the spectacle of the night.
0: Yeah. But I could see that. But Cena
1: Owens happened, it you know the the title match was in the
0: shadow of that match. I could see that. I agree. I definitely can agree with that. Um you know, the thing that got that got me with that match was the fact that these guys, and I and I've said this before, the chemistry between them is 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 there like and I said this before, their fates are intertwined. You know, this is Rock Austin. This is, you know, Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon. This is, you know what I mean? Like these are guys who three years from now they could, they could feud and they'll show us something completely different again. Because of Ambrose's
1: lack of sanity in the ring, I'd like to think of it more as rock mankind.
0: Yeah, to a degree, but you know just what it because is? Even though Ambrose is a solid wrestler, right?
1: It's just, he brings a bit of, he brings a bit of goofiness to the ring. He, yeah. He's not being goofy really, but it's like, just that his twisted sense of style, it just, it brings, it does bring some comedy
0: to the ring. Yeah, a little bit. I could see that. But, um, I want to switch gears. I want to talk about raw and you know, I put, I published our, our the three R's of the week. And as usual, as we've started doing just, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I got to say Seth Rollins opening promo clowning the city of Cleveland was ridiculous (laughs) on top of the fact that he's like, I want to thank Seth Rollins and uh, Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins. I was like, yo, (laughs) What a what a dude is doing impression, dude. What a what a great. You you know what that reminded me of when Jericho was naming all of his one thousand and four moves when he was feuding with Dean Malenko. Move nine hundred and ninety six armbar, like it was on that same (laughs) level, just straight douchebag. And then when he just clowned Johnny Manziel, he's like, yeah, Johnny football stupid idiot face first of all stupid idiot face (laughs) not even like clown or putz or shitty football player or above average quarterback no stupid idiot face (laughs) just let that you you were just you just got clowned with a grade school insult on national television on top of the fact, on top of the fact that, yeah, Cleveland, LeBron isn't going to win you a championship, and then they lose. <laughs> it's like, oh, that just. And the worst part was, like, a couple of, a couple of sports sites made sure to use that clip today. <laughs> like, yeah, stupid idiot face. I was like, oh, shit. And you know what the worst part was? Johnny Manziel was like, yo, what the fuck? Like, he didn't even, he just was like, shit. Like, the crowd was super into it. They were just like, oh. Like, even I was like, well, damn. (laughs) Just going in for the fucking kill at this point. Also, him calling Kane the devil's favorite dinosaur was hilarious. (laughs) Completely fucking great. Great in so many ways. But um the matches the matches left a lot to be desired this week. Fucking Sheamus and Dean Ambrose, I'm like, ugh, sleeping pill match. Same thing with R Truth and Wade Barrett. Even though R Truth coming out dressed up like how we used to get dressed up when we were kids, pretending we were kings, was okay in my book. <laughs> it's okay. I, I too, have wrapped the cape around myself to pretend I'm a king or a superhero. We've all done it. Props to R-Truth for making that shit hilarious as fuck. And, of course, you know, Kevin Kevin Owens gets high points for not only having a great match with Dolph Ziggler, but having a fucking having the moment of the night by killing the musical performance of the evening which in my 3 Rs column I said that Kevin Owens from now on needs to just powerbomb every musical performer and every guest guest star that shows up on Raw every person who's a boring especially, especially slow rider dude every you know slow rider will probably be there next week oh please dude every boring Actor or soup or 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 musical artist that just is is using the wrestling audience to shill whatever piece of shit product they have out. You get a power bomb. It's like, hey, what am I signing? Oh, a waiver. What for? Oh, you're getting a power bomb <laughs> tonight. What? <laughs> like, I just want to see. Did you, just, did you just
1: turn Kevin Owens into the WWE version of Oprah Winfrey? You get a towel yep. You get a
0: towel ball. Everybody gets a towel ball. No, here's... He, I, I made Kevin Owens the wrap-it-up button of the WWE. Like, you're coming out, you're shilling your movie, and it's like, yeah, you know, and this movie, and the WWE audience, and then it's just a matter of do 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 doo-doo-doo-doo, and he just comes out. <laughs> and just, just, just you know, you, you, you shake his hand, and he looks at your hand like, like, like your hand has syphilis on it, and then he just kills you dead. That's it. Flow Rider should get one. Um, Jer- a- a- the Entourage guys should get one on principle. Uh, you know, Re- uh, Hoda and Kathy Lee. <laughs> Fuck it. That's what he should do. Like Kevin Owens should just be going out there, just power bombing people everywhere, everywhere. I don't give a shit. All of them. Anyway. For all the high points, we got a two-on-one Bella's Handicap match, which I said to myself, oh, they're going to use this to probably debut someone that will help out Paige. And then guess what happened? A big whopping load of nothing. A big load of donut. I'm like, oh, guess not. It's like, oh, they're going to bring somebody else from NXT. No, wait, no, they're not. Oh, no, they're not. Hey, you got five minutes? Well, we got five minutes to bore the shit out of you. (laughs) Uh, That's what it was. It's like, hey, you have five minutes to hear about our Lord and Savior boredom? (laughs) That's what that is. Not going anywhere? Have a sneaker. That's it. And then, you know, the primetime players and Neville. Neville's an honorary member of the primetime players now. he He is essentially their El Torito in this situation. <laughs> but um, you know they had a it's fucked up, but it, very accurate. It is, dude. I love, I love Adrian Neville. He's awesome, but he just comes out. You know, Titus O'Neil is like nine people put together, and Darren Young is not exactly a small dude, and Neville just comes out, and it's like, hey, uh, you're the white friend, <laughs> but. I tell you what. It's like it's like that that fucking shitty Transformers cartoon that was on Cartoon Network. He's like a minicon. I tell you what, even though Adrian Neville was the third wheel in that match, that red arrow is a thing of beauty. Absolutely. That guy drops that finisher and you just look at it and you go, Yo, it's 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 insane. You look at it and it's insane. You're like, how is he not dead? That, that's exa- it's almost like when Rob Van Dam does the frog splash and he holds his ribs and crawls away. Like I'm like, yo, how's he yep. not fucked up? Uh, I gotta I gotta communique from Blackstone and I quote, Titus O'Neil is the Mandingo warrior <laughs> I can't I can't disagree with that. I mean,
1: he freaking does the side backbreaking and then he just tosses you away. It's like fuck.
0: Yo, he he legitimately just taught he ragdolls every dude that gets in the ring with him. And I don't even I don't even think it's intentional. It's like, yeah, you're just gonna suplex this guy, but it's gonna look like you're throwing a bag of laundry in your trunk. <laughs> Hope you don't mind. And then, of course. You know Triple H and Stephanie McMahon come out, and of course, oh, we gotta apologize to Machine Gun Kelly for Kevin Owens' op for Kevin Owens' actions. And it's like, no, you don't. It's like, did you hear that crowd <laughs> cheer? It's like, nah. You know what I like? How his entourage tried to sell it. Yo, man, he's got spinal contusions. If you <laughs> it, yo, if you listen to it, like when his quote unquote entourage is trying to get him backstage. Yo, I think he's got spinal contusions. I'm like, yo. Why are you here? Who are you? <laughs> Random black guy number one? No. No. Shut your mouth. You're in on the gimmick. Shut up. Contusions. Oh my God. Yo, I think he got spinal damage. Shut up. Aside Stephanie's from the fact... Like- Aside from the fact, I power bombed you. Even though it was to, it was through a fucking seely posturpedic. I power bombed you. Why are you not being stretchered out? You are a civilian. <laughs> you are like not even a third of John Cena, who had to be carried out. It's like yo, you had jeggings on. Like what are you doing? Head, head, you know, a guy looked like a wishbone with a head. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yo. Up. Yo, it's like a, a wishbone with a head. Kevin Owens power bombed him, and it's like, yo, he's walking out. His entourage is walking him out. Motherfucker, get that guy a gurney. He's dead. Get him a coffin. So, yo, get, get him a coffin. It's a wrap. But no, and then it's like, yeah, we want to apologize, which I just I just had to laugh. I'm like, you know you guys were laughing your asses off backstage. Because first of all, the, when Kevin Owens tried to kick him, he didn't even take the kick right. And he just, like, fell. And Kevin Owens was like, fuck, I got to grab this fucking guy. He got spinal contusions. <laughs> <laughs> fucking guy. You know? I'm like, yo, why are you talking? Just fucking take your man back then. Shut up. And then, of course, the return of Brock Lesnar, which we all knew was going to happen because I'm like, yeah, Brock Lesnar's been off TV way too long. And Battleground is a bullshit pay-per-view. And then everybody's like, yeah, he's coming back. I'm like, yeah, because that pay per view's garbage. So we got to spice it up.
1: That entrance was fucking gold because, and again, it was gold because of Paul Heyman. Well, Paul Heyman was fantastic. Nope. But shakes hands with with Steph and Triple H and just casually just slides out the ring like, peace out, (laughs) y'all.
0: You know what? You know what it was? It was like he walked in and he just was like, I'm just going to leave this here. That was exactly what it was. I'm just, and, and the best part was that when Stephanie McMahon shook his hand, she really did it like, yo, I'm shaking hands with a skeevy piece of shit. Like, that was real exactly. apprehension, which was like, great. You could tell. It's like he had to really reach in to shake hands with her.
1: And she's like, yeah, whatever.
0: Yep. But then it's like, I like three things made that even better. First of all. Brock Lesnar, you know, his suplex city shirt, the crowd was into it. Second of all, Seth Rollins looking like like he just saw death incarnate. Like he sold it really, really well. Like he was like, Yeah, let me just back up. And Brock Lesnar walked up on him and was like, Yo, where's your lunch money? Yo, you gonna eat that sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Okay. Like it was it was good, you know. It was good that everybody's like, Yo, did Brock Lesnar need to get physical? And, you know, a couple people didn't see it. And I'm like, nah, he didn't. But it served its purpose. Cause you know next week or the week after Brock Lesnar's just gonna come out and kill everyone. It's gonna happen. Like that's just how it is. And he's and he's just standing in the ring looking. And he's like, Yeah, motherfucker,
1: three o'clock in the schoolyard. That's bitch. it,
0: three o'clock in the schoolyard. I'm gonna wait for you. Yo, meet me by the handball courts. It was it was good. It served it served its purpose. I liked what they did. Obviously, new suplex city shirt uh served it served its purpose. Um as for as for the uh the wrestling news of the week a couple of things um WWE sent me an email which I got to put on the site that they're actually launching gaming YouTube channels which is pretty cool um Xavier Woods is running a channel which is up up down down and is going to feature daily content um you know it's going to have like a let's play style of gaming videos where like he'll play some games or other personalities will be playing some of the new titles um, he's doing that channel. Then they got another one, which is on Wednesdays. It's for the lulls, which uh, Woods and others will explore the vast worlds of popular sandbox games like GTA five, where just about anything and everything can happen. As I read that, I said to myself, as long as like Titus O'Neill is playing one of those games with them. Cause you know, it's like he, he, he talks like wrestling foghorn leghorn. Hey, Hey, hey look at here. Look at here now. I'm like, please let that happen. Hey, 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 I got this AK-47 here. And just him barking into, like, a microphone, just completely like a, like a belligerent asshole. We need that. Need that in my life. And um, Fridays, they're going to do jump scares, which is going to be them playing, obviously, horror games from the horror genre. And then Saturdays, they're doing Superstar Save Point. Guests are tasked with jumping into a random game totally cold. And must help lead Xavier Woods to gaming glory in this unpredictable co-op experiment. Once again, oh I just I just pray that it ends up like segments end up where like the guy loses playing a game with Xavier Woods and fucks him up. <laughs> like we're playing Madden. I just with-
1: want to see the Big Show try to play any game because you know. His hand's bigger than his one hand is bigger than any controller.
0: Yo, he's gonna be holding the controller and he's gonna look like Kubiak from Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Like I crush your skull, mm. I crush it. I think I think it's a it's a co- I think it's a step in the right direction, especially because they got so many superstars on the roster that are gamers. I like the concept and I think it's gonna be really cool. Again, it's gonna you know they already launched the channel. And, uh, you know, I'm going to share the trailer for it on on Rageworks for you guys to see what's what they got in store. Again, I think it's a good way to humanize the superstars and just like a lot of the stuff like, you know, the the um, the WWE 60 that they did or the 24 seven special they did on Roman Reigns. Like, don't get me wrong. We we love all these larger than life personas, but it's cool to get a glimpse into their their day to day. Like, I think that's why sometimes it's so cool when you follow certain superstars on social media because you see like a glimpse into their day to day. Like, Oh shit. You know, like this guy, like I, again, obviously the joke is, Hey, this guy puts on his pants one leg at a time, like the rest of us. But you know, there's, there's cool, you know, there's cool stuff in there. Like, Oh shit. That, that guy likes the sandwiches at Publix just like me, you know, or bullshit like that. I mean, it's funny. The, what's
1: the name? The, the Roman range father's day commercial, but he was he was doing the little uh, the, little teacup with his daughter. That was awesome.
0: Well, what was cool about that also was that they leveraged that into that Bray Wyatt promo on Monday, which again, again, very very cool way to tie everything together. But that's that's one of those things like when Titus O'Neil won like Fa- entertainment Father of the Year. Like, they they acknowledge that, and that was cool. And, I you know, you get to see that the guy is real active in the community. He does a lot of stuff. He works with a lot of people. He does stuff with his kids. Like, shit like that's cool because you don't... Usually, the fans always either see two sides of wrestling. The entertainment side or the dark side. And when I mean the dark side, I mean you know the, the this wrestler died because of drug use this wrestler died because of steroids this guy got arrested this the you know what i mean like it's always like the darker side of the industry and i think going this route is is cool you know it's a, it's a unique spin on things like i think that's one of the reasons why people like like legends house when they had legends house on the network because yeah you get to see the legends and and obviously it's it's going to be scripted but you get to see a little bit of who they are for real you know
1: yeah.
0: Definitely cool. The other uh, new story I did want to acknowledge is that former WWE wrestler oh. Yoshitatsu returned to the ring after sustaining a serious neck injury last year. If you remember, um, I mentioned that he broke two bones in his neck in November after taking the Styles Clash from AJ Styles incorrectly. You know, he had to wear a halo uh, head collar for a while, and it was it was just crazy. I was like, oh man, this guy's career is over. But he was actually doing some work in the ring and doing some stuff. And he is definitely on the mend. And, you know, I definitely wanted to report on that because Yoshitatsu was a pretty good wrestler when he was in the WWE. Obviously, he was utilized poorly. But, you know, it's good to see him back on the mend. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wish him the best. And the uh, the, the, la- the the last neck thing.
1: injuries are no joke.
0: Yeah, let neck injuries are no joke. And very few guys come back. You know, I mean, look at Draws. Draws, you know, he ended up in a wheelchair. Some of these guys, their careers are cut short. But it's good that, you know, he's he's mobile and he's able to still be involved in wrestling. So, you know, I'm, it's definitely uh, a high point. Um, the other thing I did want to reference uh, before I, I wrap things up with an answer to the, um, the question of the week for wrestling was obviously the passing of Dusty Rhodes, which was... You know, it was definitely sad, and it happened on a day when you know I couldn't really talk about wrestling, just because we had to do the gaming segment that week. But um, just uh, I was I was heartbroken when I heard it because the thing was I grew up watching WWF, and it wasn't until I got older when I started watching like NWA and stuff. But I remember when Dusty Rhodes was in the WWF, he'd come out with the polka dot outfit and Miss Sapphire, and he'd be dancing up a storm and. You'd you'd look at this guy and he was just just a not the, the the stereotypical superhero that we used to see in the '80s. You know, he was this jovial, jolly, happy wrestler that could go in there and mix it up. He had high flying moves. He had you know really really good strong style wrestling, and he and he entertained, which was which was incredible. You know, for for a guy of his size, and above all, as as you see. His body of work and so many of his great promos and his legendary matches with Ric Flair—it's just crazy that you know he he passed away. It wasn't like, and it was sudden. You know, it wasn't like he had he was battling an il- an illness. At least not that we knew about publicly.
1: Well, it's like his music said he was the common man.
0: Yep. Like uh, when when they were playing his, his, his the the tribute to him on Raw, I was like, man, there was a lot of good stuff there. My. My bell is a little big, my fan is a little big, <laughs> and I'm just like, holy shit, keeping it real. I I mean dude, how many, how many as we approach episode three hundred, how many times did I share the hard times promo? You know that. Hell, we got hashtag hard times on on air on more than one occasion. Listening <clears throat> I mean
1: like I said in the group, I mean, he he leaves behind a legacy. We have we have his two sons. Well, currently only one of them still in the ring, but I mean they they've been on a lesser degree, but they've been just as entertaining as he has. I yep. mean, you know, even when he was Dustin Rhodes, he he put on a good show with his Gold Dust. He's been wildly entertaining for you know, for, for over a decade. And now, you know, you have Cody who did well, just as Cody Rhodes, but now as, as podcast, it's like he's a whole different person literally. And he's entertaining just that he's being misused right now, but that's another story. But I mean, it, it's a good thing that the Rhodes brothers uh, carry, you know, carry on his name. Well, Yep, it's not like they're, they're they're shitty wrestlers or anything, and you know the the polka dots live on through through them.
0: No, I think I think that what they did, you know, it was a class class act. I mean, his involvement in NXT and shaping the careers of so many wrestlers was tremendous. Um, you know, the video packages again—that's one thing I've said before. WWE's video packages and their their production are are top notch. You know, the stuff that they did. You know, the for showing showcasing his career and some of his great moments was um, tremendous. And you know, I didn't want to wrap up this week's show without acknowledging, you know, that he was he was a wrestler that I grew up watching as a kid uh, in WWF, and then as I got older, I got to see his body of work in, in NWA, and you know, just all his amazing promos. and And I understand why the guy is a you know is a is a Hall of Famer, and why so many people like. Watching him work because the guy was an entertainer that did not look like your conventional wrestler,
1: you know nope. but he <clears throat> considering that they call it sports entertainment, he definitely was one of the greats because he didn't just wrestle he truly did entertain
0: absolutely, so you know I wanted to uh, again you know send our send our condolences to his to his family. Because uh, obviously, you know they gotta they gotta move on past past his passing, which was so sudden, and uh, you can see already, you know, no stardust, no gold dust, uh, no Eden, who is married to Cody, and it was funny because not funny, but Cody shared uh, the eulogy for for his father on social media, and it was just yo, you read and you're just like wow, you know, like it's just it's just heartbreaking, dude. I was like holy shit, you know? Yeah, man. Well, to wrap things up, uh, the other question that I had asked in our Facebook group was your favorite wrestling finisher. Uh, my favorite finishers were that I named were the Canadian Destroyer, utilized by Petey Williams and TNA, and of course the Crippler Crossface used by the late Chris Benoit. Uh, Keith said his favorite wrestling finisher was the Stunner. Val said that it was the Eliminator or the Canadian Destroyer. Lucha Lee said, uh, favorite finisher, Spanish Fly, done by Prince Puma. And the other one was Roll the Dice, used by Big Vito, which Cody Rhodes also uses as Crossroads. And on the submission side, he wanted to throw out the Cloverleaf. Uh, ben said that his favorite finisher was the Phoenix Splash or the Curb Stomp, obviously uh, Seth Rollins' influence. And uh, Christian said, Wrestling Canadian Destroyer. You want to throw yours in there? I can't really
1: think of a favorite, but since we were talking about entertaining the crowd, and I, I had wanted to say this earlier when we were talking about, about them, I think the most entertaining finisher, the finisher itself is shit, but the most entertaining <laughs> finisher is the people's elbow. Okay. well that, that And that's what I meant when I said that, that the Rock had charisma on the mic and he had charisma in the ring because you think about the production value put into that piece of shit move. <laughs> this, this is true. This guy fucking kicks the guy's arm into place, pulls off his elbow pad and throws it to the crowd, does, a, stupidly just throws his arms to the, to, to the wind and does an elbow, which, which is about the same thing as fucking Hulk Hogan doing his fucking bullshit leg drop. There you go. And pin somebody after that.
0: Oh, I agree. It's it's a it's a it's a little crazy, but um, I, I can I can understand why. And he actually finished one or two guys with the with the people's elbow, which was always weird to me, just because it was always a, a transition move for you know the the rock bottom. But um, I I can see that. I can. But I it can
1: got d- to the point where it started to be the finisher. Yeah, like he, the rock bottom would be to 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 put him down, but then he started kidding people after the elbow.
0: Yeah, I, that's what I mean. He finished one or two guys with the elbow, yeah. which was always weird to me. But um, I can see that. Um, definitely, definitely a solid choice. Uh, with that said, that actually is going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week. Is there anything else you wanted to add?
1: yeah um anybody if you haven't seen it already, you definitely need to check out this week's n x t um Kevin owens versus Samoa Joe was definitely a sight to see
0: yeah i I actually stopped right before that match happened, so i gotta see it after we wrap up while I edit the show so um I've heard good things though
1: oh definitely it was it was a fun it was a great match to
0: watch all right. All right, with that said, uh, make sure you check out it NXT. It wasn't
1: for the record
0: books, but it's, it'll definitely keep their feud healthy. Okay, works for me. Anything else, my friend?
1: No, I'm good, man.
0: All right, brother. As always, I uh, appreciate the call-in and the assist.
1: All right, I'll talk to you later.
0: You got it, brother. Peace. Peace. All right, with that said, that is going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week. So let's get the hell out of here, shall we? You've just heard My Take Radio episode 299, which broadcasted live Wednesday, June 17th, 2015. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net. If you use social media, you can find my take radio and rage works in the following places at on Twitter at my take radio or rage underscore works on Facebook. You could look up my take radio or rage works uh, YouTube uh, YouTube, of course, our two channels, my take radio TV and official rage works. Of course, we have pages on Google Plus, Pinterest. And if you're on Instagram, you can follow me rage underscore rich. On behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, we will see you guys July 1st for episode 300 of My Take Radio. Just a reminder, there will be no show for Thursday, June 18th, 2015, and there will be no shows uh, June 24th or June 25th. Again, My Take Radio celebrates with episode 300 on July 1st at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. With that said, on behalf of myself... Slick, and the rest of the MTR and Rageworks family, I will see you guys next week. Peace!